Right on, right on, right on. Right on radio. Right on radio. Hi, Roar family. This is Eric. How are you doing? I'm going to share another Bible study. Uh, after a recent show at the Telegram Live chat afterward, a lady asked about how to study the Bible with her daughter, and Jeff gave some very good advice. One of those pieces being to really spend time on a verse. Don't just read it like a, a novel. Like spend time meditating on the, on the verses and spending time there and digging. And so I'm going to do a teaching today that's just on one verse alone. And we're going to see how deep we can go. Now, in the Lord's Prayer, I went really deep into the Greek. I'm not going to do that this time, but I am going to, on a few of the words, go into the Greek meanings so that we can have a fuller understanding of the words that got translated into this one English word, because it's pertinent. Um, but this is just one verse, and let's see what's in it. And this is an example of what Jeff was talking about. If you do camp on a verse a lot, and a lot of times the Lord will bring you back to a verse, the more time you spend in it and the more he shows you, the more you know it, and you get to the point where you have a really good understanding of it and you uh, don't even need to, you could talk about it because it's in your heart. Um, there's a verse that says, Thy word I have hid in my heart that I would not sin against you. And that's the process of that, is hiding God's word in your heart so that... Um, you know, it's it becomes part of us. And there's another verse that um, talks about how God will give us a take our heart of stone and give us a heart of flesh that has His Word written written on it, so that we no longer have to be taught this is the Lord's way. It would be part of our heart, and it would be something that we just do naturally. And that's a good prayer to prayer to pray. And so, speaking of, why don't we start this with a word of prayer? Father, uh, we come before you in the mighty name of Jesus our King of kings, our Lord of lords, our Savior, the lover of our souls. Uh, we want your word to go forth, Lord, and your word promises that your word will not return void. So whatever you would like to come out of this, Lord, give me the words to speak that are your words and give us the hear the words that we need to hear so that um, your truth can go out. And so I ask that you would bless the people who listen and Lord, that you would indeed let us hide your word in our hearts and give us hearts of flesh that have your law already written on it so that it's part of who we are. So let this plant your word into our hearts. In Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. So the verse is one of my favorite verses. I there's probably say that about a lot of verses, but it's one of those Jesus himself, who was the word of God, who became flesh, and he spoke, and that was spoken word of God and it got written down in the Bible and it's a red letter so it's like the word of God talking about the word of God speaking the word of God so and it's one where Jesus says this is why I'm here and so if anybody told you if you ask somebody say well why are you here and they said I am here for this reason that's a good thing to pay attention to and so the verse is John 10.10, 10, and it's in the, the context of he's talking about the good shepherd and, and not good shepherds and thieves. And so John 10.10 10 says, there is a thief who comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. And so Jesus is telling you right there, I came for this reason. So pay attention to the reason because he's telling you himself. 
Now, it's interesting that he says, I came that they may have life. Now, who is the they that he's talking about? Just first of all, so if he was talking to his disciples, maybe they were the crowds. Um, I strongly believe that I'm part of they and you're probably part of they. But can you imagine, you know, you're a disciple and Jesus is talking and he says, I came that they might have life. Now, they're alive, obviously. They already have life. So it's almost an inherent way of saying, you think you have life, but you don't know that you don't have life. You don't have life the way it could be or perhaps should be. Because the people listening were alive, but he's saying, I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. So that's the first thing that pops out of me out to me when I hear this verse. It's kind of a kind of a statement. You think you have life, but I came that you could have life and have it abundantly. And so we will be going into what word he that is that is translated as life. So it gives us more uh, more ideas of what it's about. And have it abundantly. And one of the things I like to do when I'm studying the word is ask the question, what is he not saying? Um, or what is not being said is sometimes just as insightful as, okay, what is being said? So if you have a pair of glasses or if you're by a window or a mirror or there's a metal spoon somewhere, if you were to take that off and breathe on it, it fogs up. Congratulations, you are alive. That's not the life that he's talking about here. If you put your finger on your neck and you feel a pulse, congratulations, your heart is beating, you're alive. That is not the life he's talking about here. If you can hear these words and understand what I'm saying, if I'm speaking clearly enough, congratulations, you have cognitive function, you're alive. That's not the life he's talking about here. Another thing that he's not saying, which I have heard said sometimes, is he's not saying that I came to give you abundance. He didn't say that I came that they might have abundance. He said I came that they might have life and have life abundantly. Sometimes that prosperity gospel goes out there and says that Jesus came so you could have abundance. No, he came that we might have life and life abundantly. Sometimes that may include abundance of material things, and wealth, and sometimes it won't. But if you really have the life he's talking about, it doesn't matter if there's an abundance of wealth and materials or a lack of wealth and materials. The life he's talking about resides irregardless of that. So one, it's not abundance, it's life abundantly. So what is the word behind life here. Second, I'm trying to, come on. The word is Zoe. Yes, Zoe. Zoe is, um, lately has been a common girl's name and it means life. But it means so much more than life. So I'm gonna give you the definition of the Greek word Zoe, what it can mean. It can mean life, alive, life living. In general, it refers to physical life and existence as opposed to death and non-existence. 
but it also refers to of life. That is a blessed life, a life that satisfies, being indwelt by God, but not necessarily favored by circumstances. It can mean the savor and fragrance of life. The love or, to love or appreciate the life that God gives, the ways of life. In the Christian sense of eternal life, it is the bliss of the life of bliss and glory in the kingdom of God which awaits true disciples of Christ after the resurrection. And I would add to that now as well. Because the kingdom of God is now and it's also coming. Um, it's not, well, one day I'll get to die. And then I'll get to enjoy the life that Jesus wanted me to enjoy. That's not it. Yes, we will never experience fully on earth the extent to we're going to experience that life in heaven. But that life is available here and now. Jesus didn't say, I came that they might have life after they're dead. He said that I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. So that gives you a fuller sense of what the word life means here. It's a quality life. It's a, a quantitative and a qualitative um, type of life that makes life good and worth living. And then the word for abundantly is, is one of my favorite, oh yeah, lots of favorites, parisos. Let me tell you what parisos means. Super abundant in quantity or superior in quality. The sense of beyond by implication, excessive, preeminence, exceedingly, abundantly above, more abundantly, advantage, exceedingly, very high, beyond measure, more, superfluous, vehemently. So, that can give you an idea of what Jesus meant. When he says, this is why I'm here. So, a, 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 not just being alive, but having a quality of life that's of what God intended. That we're going to have fully in the afterlife, but we can experience it here now. To a lesser extent. But, shaken down, pressed up, bubbling over. Like a quality of life that would make people jealous of you if you had it. So, and I know... Hollywood's got lots of bad stuff in it, but what I think of when I think of Zoe and someone with Zoe abundantly is Roberto Benigni. He did the movie Life is Wonderful, and, and if you saw that Academy Awards, his is the favorite reaction I've ever seen of someone winning. What do they usually do? Oh, me? I won? Oh, fake surprise, fake surprise. Go up. I am so honored to be in the pleasure of of such great company of the other nominees, you know, the guys like just stoic walk up. I'd like to thank, you know, all you guys deserve this more than me, and I'd like to thank so-and-so. You know, that's so boring. Roberto Benigni, they call out his name. He jumps up on the top of his chair, and he throws his arms up in the air, and goes, hey! He says something in Italian, and he starts touching everybody and shaking their hands, and he gets to the aisle, and he doesn't go to the stage. He runs up the aisle the other way, like with his arms up, and he runs back down, and he's high-fiving everybody on the way. 
And then he gets to the steps. And instead of walking up the steps, he hops with both feet like a bunny up to the stage. The guy's just got so much energy and so much passion. And then he's like, I just want to thank everybody. I am swimming in the ocean of your love. You know, like that. And it's funny because they show some of the actors and audiences reactions and some of them are like gosh this guy's acting very undignified and some of them are like oh this is awesome no that's awesome that's how you expect somebody if they win something like that in their industry that to me is what zoe and zoe abundantly would look like and so the question i have for you is more often than not would people say that's true of you Or not. Um, now, granted, we all go through stuff. Sometimes life's hard. But in general, are we living life, a Zoe life, abundantly like Jesus came to allow us to experience? It's a good question to ask. And if it's not, then maybe that's something that we can pray about and ask God for. Because I think the world would be a better place if we who have direct access to Jesus and all that he did for us in his death and resurrection and ascension, if we live that way, I think the world would be a better place. And I love that what Jesus does in this verse, because I started out saying what was not being said, I was comparing and contrasting. And in this verse, he does a compare and a contrast himself. He talks first about the thief. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the thief wants. We all know who the thief is. It's the enemy. Little furry Lucy. Lucifer. The thief wants to come, steal, kill, and destroy. But that's not me. I, I came that they might have life, Zoe life, and life abundantly. Parisos. And in that first part of the verse, I used to think that maybe John wrote it down wrong. Or maybe Jesus said it wrong. Because to me, it's out of order. Like, steal, kill, well, that's done. Like, if someone steals something from me, okay, they stole something from me. And then if they kill me, I'm dead. Game over. So, and then I'm going to destroy you. It seems out of place. I mean, maybe you want to stomp on my corpse, but... If I'm dead, I'm already gone. So I used to think that that's not in the right order. And one day I was praying and felt like God led me back to this verse again. And, and it was kind of just that sense of maybe I know what I'm talking about. And maybe it's that way for a reason. So then I started to think, well, steal, kill, destroy. Steal, kill, destroy. And of course, I looked at the Greek words a little bit. And I'm going to go a little bit into that, but not too deep. So steal in, in the Greek there is just that, stole. Someone took something from you. How many of us in our lives have ever had something stolen from us? Now it could be physically stolen, like someone stole our car or stole a toy when we were a little kid. But sometimes what's stolen from us is things like our innocence, our family life, our childhood, our dignity, our good name. Um, there are a lot of things that can happen to us when the thief comes to steal. And then the next word is to kill. And that is kill. 
but in the Greek word it has a connotation of offering as a sacrifice. So the idea being that the enemy would come and try to steal from you, and then he would try to offer you up as a sacrifice. Well, that's not good if the enemy is offering up to you as a sacrifice. Uh, but you probably know, maybe in your own life or people whose life you know, that sometimes when, when something's stolen from us, something happens inside. If we hang on to it, we become a victim. We get in that victim mentality. We get the... And, and rightly so, something was stolen from us. It belonged to us. Maybe we never got what we should have had. Maybe our birthright was stolen. Something that we were supposed to have was taken from us. Something that we did have was taken from us. And now we are a victim of thievery. If that festers, if that grows, what does it lead to? Well, sometimes it leads to a death of a part of us. Maybe not literally you're dead. But sometimes we have places in us that are dead because something was taken from us and it never gets dealt with. And it just festers and gets moldy and mildewy and becomes worse. And then it becomes a part of us is dead inside. And the enemy likes that to happen. It's a form of sacrificing us. Sacrificing that part of our life. And then, after that comes destroy. So... Someone stole something from me. It's killed part of who I am or part of me or part of my heart, part of my life. It's as if it's been sacrificed and given away to the enemy. And then, if that continues to grow and fester and remain in darkness, then it becomes destruction. but not just our own destruction. And you may have experienced or know people that have where they become so bitter and so broken and that root of bitterness that was never dealt with, never forgiven, never healed, becomes a root of bitterness in them and they actually start to destroy not just themselves but the lives of those around them maybe even those close to them. And when that happens, that's actually becoming a partner with the thief. That's how he gets you on his side, whether you realize it or not. He steals from you. It kills part of who you are. And then out of that pain, you join him in destroying the lives of others by maybe stealing from them or killing areas of their life. That's not good. That's not a place we want to be. So there's a thief. A thief comes to steal from you, turn you into a victim, hopes that you stay there until it festers, until that part of you is dead. And then from that deadness that is now sacrificed up to him, you actually become a partner with him to be an agent of destruction along with him in the lives of others. Now, if that's you, 
or you're somewhere along that line in an area of your life and going along that spectrum, and, and it happens to any of us, it happens to all of us, what do you do? Well, it's very clear. Uh, first of all, you've got to forgive. Jesus is very clear like we taught in the Lord's Prayer. Forgive us our sins even as we forgive those who sin against us. And he says after Lord's Prayer, For if you forgive men their sins, your Father will forgive your sins. And if you don't forgive men their sins, your Father won't forgive your sins. So you can release the forgiveness of God by being forgiving. Or you can hinder the forgiveness of God by not being forgiving. So forgiving is not just for the person's sake you're forgiving. It's not to let them off the hook because what they did to you wasn't wrong. It's not saying it wasn't wrong. It's saying, I'm going to release them because I want to be released. So if things were stolen from you, you might want to look at forgiving that person so that the forgiveness of God can flow in your life. Now what if it's gone further? What if parts of you are dead and you've done some of the destruction yourself? In other people's lives. Well, that's where you need to confess your sins and repent. And although you need to have the heart behind it, that's just a prayer away. At any point in time, you can repent of what you've done. You can pray and say, Father in heaven, I confess this sin to you. I've done this. I inadvertently partner with the enemy and I've brought destruction to other people's lives. Please forgive me. And then there's another verse where Jesus says, hey, if you're going to go and bring your gift before God as an act of worship and you realize, you remember that a brother has something against you, leave your gift, go be reconciled with them first, and then come and give your gift and worship God. Now, they may or may not accept the reconciliation, but you've got to give a try. So that's even where Jesus is saying, hey, now, that doesn't mean you did it wrong. That doesn't mean you're taking full responsibility, but if you know that someone's got something against you, whether it was actual or a misunderstanding, and you're aware of it, you need to go deal with that first and then come and worship God because that can be a hindrance, what that verse says. So, there's a thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, and that's what it can look like. But Jesus came, that they might have life and life abundantly, and depending on where you're at over here in that process, this is what you got to do to get to that. And the most important, important word, in my opinion, in this verse, is the word might. Jesus didn't say, I came that they will have abundant life. He said, I came that they might or may. That means anybody can have it. Everybody could have it. It is there for the taking. He's made provision for it. It's available to you if you want it. Do you want it? Then come and get it. Yeah, you might need to forgive. Yeah, you might need to ask the Holy Spirit to come and heal those broken dead places of your heart. Yeah, you might need to confess and repent. But everybody in the world could have that Zoe life to an abundant extreme. He made the way. It's available to you. It's available to everyone. But it's a might. It's a might because you play a part in it. So if you're over here or you're stuck over there in part of your life, 
please come taste and see that the Lord is good. Because that Zoe life is really tasty. And a Zoe life to an abundant extreme is unspeakable joy. And I'm not saying that I live there all the time. I don't. I don't. But when I am living in that, it, that's when life is good. And the great thing about that is, is that Zoe life is not dependent on circumstances. It's not, whether you have a lot or little, you can have a Zoe life. Whether things are going great or things are going crappy, you can have a Zoe life. And it's your birthright in Christ if you'll claim it. If you'll hang on to it. If you'll pursue it. Ask, seek, and knock. And if you need it, and you want it, and you ask, we'll give it to you. And if there's some things you need to do to get away from the thief's camp and what he tried to do in your life to keep you from having this, then be serious and say, uh-uh, I'm going to deal with this. I'm going to get rid of it. I don't want that anymore. You were trying to rob me of this by getting me stuck in this. No more. Done. Out of the picture. Nothing to do with you anymore. I want the Zoe life abundantly like Jesus came that I might have. And that's a choice that you can make at any point in time, as long as you still have breath. So that, in a nutshell, is John 10.10, 10, one of my favorite verses that compares and contrasts what the enemy wants to bring in your life versus what Jesus came for. So you have a choice before you. I hope you choose life. I hope you choose life abundantly. Um. Maybe you have a little Zoe life, but maybe it's not abundant. Then that's a great thing to ask God for. So let's close this up in a word of prayer, and um, I will let you get on with your day, and I'll get on with mine. Jesus, we thank you that you came that we might have life and have it abundantly. And Lord, I surely know I don't have that all the time, and I want it more and more. So when I'm not there, remind me and call me into it. And Lord, pour out more on, of that into our lives as possible. Lord, if there's any area in our life where we're stuck in thievery, death, or destruction, uh, please release us from that, Father. Help us do what we need to do. Pour your Holy Spirit on us and speak to us and show us the steps we need to take to get away from that so we can get out of the enemy's camp and into your kingdom more fully. We ask this in the mighty name of Jesus, the lover of our soul, whom we thank for dying on the cross for our sins. Amen. Guys, have a great day. Till next time. Right on Radio. Right on Radio.